You like All-Stars? The All-Star Sabrina Merchant is here to talk All-Stars, along with the many, many things she does in this space. Lockdown Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there and happy Friday to you. I am Howard Magdal, editor and founder of The Next Women's Basketball 24-7-365. Follow us at thenexthoops.com. Thank you for making us your first listen here at Locked On Women's Basketball. You can subscribe on YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. You can subscribe and listen to us every weekday. Uh, The cost to you is nothing. It's free. So go ahead and sign up. I highly recommend it. And speaking of somebody who is creating great free content and things that you should be listening to, reading, watching, Sabrina Merchant, my friend and wonderful WNBA women's basketball reporter. Sabrina, when you had to come up with your all-star ballot, and you had to submit those picks. Mm -hmm. How agonizing was it for you? I feel so silly complaining about how agonizing it was because truly I I am so delighted that I got a ballot this year. It was the first time I got to pick all-star starters as a member of the media. And I had so much fun with it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like I feel sorry for all of my friends who I was texting nonstop. Like, Hey, does this make sense? Do these four make sense for guards? Like, am I silly for picking, you know, Emma Meesman over Derek Ahambi? Uh, it was, it was brutal. It was brutal. Uh, I, I kept telling myself like, oh, if I was picking, you know, a full team of 22, I'd be able to do a much better job of it. Like I could get everybody I wanted in. And then I thought about it and I was like, no, every, every barrier of entry is just more difficult than the last one. So too much talent in the league, seriously, way too much talent. And uh, it's, it's a good problem to have. Wherever that line is, it's hard. Even if it's a 22, it's like, Ah, oh, but there are 25 for that spot. You know, I mean, it, it, it is a struggle. So we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about our all-star ballots where you and I differ. I assume you're right and I'm wrong probably, but we'll figure it out. Um, I also obviously want to talk about the new podcast you have going on. We want to talk about some West Coast teams. There's some really interesting things going on out West, um, even, you know, with the incorrect the preferred time zone. Ah, Pacific time. I, 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 listen, that was rough last night. That poor Jen Hatfield, our Washington Mystics beat reporter. And she, we're, we're having a Slack conversation at nine 45 and she's tired and I'm tired. Her name didn't even begin for another 45 minutes. Why do you people and do this? I, I will say a seven 30 West coast start time is rude. It is uh, unfair to the people on the East coast. I don't even like a seven 30 start time. It feels late to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would prefer seven. You know, I think that's more manageable. Uh, and then I heard that Monumental cut out the end of the Mystic Sparks game. Like they just were not able to watch the very end, which Natasha Cloud made sure that everyone who was unable to watch rude the day that they did not get to watch her final minute. As they sh- as she should. I'm glad that she let people know about that, too. Uh, it, it, it is. I'm, I'm glad to hear. Look, uh, Kathleen Deere, who does social media for us over at The Next, she has made the point for a long time that Central Standard Time is where it's at. And I don't know, maybe there's an American consensus to be reached at Central Standard Time. I'm, I'm willing to have the conversation because I just think 
I just think PST is out of control. Out of control. I'm very happy to have games that end at 9:30 and then you know get yes. a little work done before I go to bed. It's it works for me, but I understand a night like Tuesday where there were three games that started at 7 p.m. Pacific mm-hmm. and later. Uh, it's just not really fair for the bulk of WNBA fans, and I think we can do better. We did a playback, uh, which everyone, by the way, if if you're not doing it, and Sabrina, you should come join us too. It occurs to me. I should have told you this uh, a long time ago, but getplayback.com slash room slash the next. We do live second screen game watches. And we were watching Dallas versus Atlanta last night, which was really compelling, really interesting game uh, for sure. But it was a 7 p.m. Eastern time start. Uh, I loved that. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we finished up a little after nine. We did. A I love the seven up. p.m. Eastern start as well. Like it all works for me. I got to kiss the girls goodnight before I went to sleep. That was the best thing. They were still awake because of a seven p.m. Eastern time start. So, you know, that's I I I just we could uh, struggle with this, and probably you and I don't get to decide. Um, but I hope that we could. I hope we can get to a point where just like America runs on. CST. All right, let's we'll 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 think it over. I mean, just wait for when the Commissioners Cup final is hosted in Las Vegas, and it's a seven thirty start time in Pacific, and we can have this conversation all over again. I am ready. I will be asleep when we have it, but you know, no, I, I will. I'll extra coffee. I'll see the Commissioners Cup. You stay up for. I am really curious, actually. Like, do you think the Commissioners Cup is resonating more? this year than it did last year. It's year two. You know, it takes time to build up. I saw James Wade the other day, uh, and and James K talked about this on the podcast yesterday, just that he was not particularly interested in Commissioner's Cup. He just, he said it was something like an extra game. The players, of course, for lots of reasons, not least of which there's good money in it, are are into it. Like, where do you think, like, women's basketball writ large is on Commissioner's Cup at this point? I think the teams that are good have more interest in it because there's just (laughs) you fall out of contention very quickly if you're not good. Um, So, you know, the team that I cover most closely, the Los Angeles Sparks, was was pretty clearly out of it, like right away last year, right away this year. Um, It has not been a topic of conversation at all uh, for, you know, for good reason. But I do think that the added component of getting to contribute to a charity every time you win a Commissioner's Cup game has made it more interesting. Like I've noticed Asia Wilson has talked about that at length. Um, mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. the the idea of being able to play for something means a lot to a lot of WNBA players. So I think it has been more of a conversation around the players themselves, which is good because, I mean, that's where the interest needs to start. If they're putting out a compelling product, then people are more inclined to watch it. Uh, totally. So I think that there's definitely more momentum this year uh, – Unfortunately, the fact that we had such an uninspiring final last year probably didn't help very much, but I don't think that's going to be a problem this year. I still, first of all, I think that's true. Uh, I, those of us who went to sleep last night when the Las Vegas Aces had a 28 point lead uh, were in for quite a surprise waking up this morning. That was a fascinating thing to see. And obviously we'll have a lot of coverage of that over at the nexthoops.com as well. Um, but yes, in total, I agree with you. I still think there has been a mistake just why we're not just calling it the Kathy cup. That seems like <laughs> a really fun, easy way to refer to it. Uh, I have made my protest known to the lead and the lead has continued to brand the way it will. So, hmm. you know, I, that's all I can do is raise my voice about it. Um, I will say Kathy Cup is much easier to say than Commissioner's Cup. Well, much easier. And it fits. I don't know why it's such a mouthful, but I have a difficult time getting it out every time. So 
Who wouldn't? Kathy's cup. That sounds like Kathy so much fun. I'd, Even Kathy's cup, you know, easy, easy piece. Kathy's cup would also be yeah. fine with me. I'm not, I'm not doctrinaire about this. I'm just bringing my ideas. You know, Kathy's cup is what the lead should be using for that. The New York Liberty should obviously be referring to Marine Johannes as the Statue of Liberty, a gift from France who comes over. It's literally the, <laughs> name of the team. You know, I'm here to help. That's, you know, I'm, I'm a- oh, That's perfect. Myself. I hadn't heard that one. Uh, most I, people in my mentions are just referring to her as MJ, so. MJ. I, 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 re I refer to her as the greater MJ. And of course, Michael- The greater Jordan MJ, yeah. The lesser MJ, which I think mm -hmm. is- Perfect. I mean, he's not the Statue of Liberty. He's certainly not the Statue of Liberty. He destroyed my childhood as someone who grew up a New York Knicks fan. So I want to get into the many things you are doing. Uh, first, I just want to talk about Arcade One Up and very specifically. Now, I, I, I just the only way for me to describe this. I am an old, right? So when I see them talk about NBA Jam coming back as a retro arcade game, that's that hits me, you know, that that's like a personal attack because I grew up playing NBA jam in the arcade, countless quarters, you know, finding when people are heating up when they're on fire, I'm desperate for there to be a WNBA jam. It's the, one of my favorite games. Uh, did you ever play NBA jam? Oh, absolutely. Um, I played it in the arcade all the time. Uh, my very first video game was uh, NBA hang time, which is basically NBA jam just for N64. That's right. Uh, so yeah, NBA Jam very much part of my childhood. When I used to go to the orthodontist with my brother, when he had braces, they had mm. three just arcade games in the office, and it was NBA Jam, Mortal Kombat, and Miss Pac-Man. So it was a lot of that growing up. Yeah, that is the best waiting room I have ever yeah. had in my life. Um, so ArcadeOneUp.com is bringing it back. Uh, they give you access to NBA Jam. You can buy. It's called a Shack model, and uh, they're even doing a giveaway for locked on listeners. So if you go to arcade, the number one up.com slash locked on, you got till July 8th to enter, but anyone can order them. Uh, there's an estimated early September ship date. They start at $399. There are other games. There's Mortal Kombat and a Golden Tee. All right, fine. NBA Jam. I mean, you had N64. For me, it was on the Super Nintendo when NBA Jam finally got there. That we played Every game, seventh and eighth grade sleepovers, my friends would come over. We'd have NBA Jam tournaments. And, you know, I'm not trying to brag. And this is probably not a brag so much as like a sign that like I needed to get out more. But like they wouldn't play me. Like I was like, <laughs> not like the double buy, you know, into the championship because no one wanted to play me uh, because of that. I know it's hard to believe. You're like, oh, no, Howard, you must have been so cool in middle school, going out, partying all the time. But no, believe it or not, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's true. So yeah, go to arcade, the number one up.com and check it out uh, and revisit the thing I did instead of, you know, going out and doing things with other people. So I, you know, we had this conversation in the lead up, right? Like, where do we start? You're, you're full-time at Swish Appeal covering just women's basketball that, and I wrote about this at the time, that's just a big win for the industry. Um, a, and if you forgive me for saying no, that it's you doing it, and B, that it's a full-time gig writing about women's basketball. But you're not just writing about women's basketball. You've got multiple podcasts. I, I'm just going to kind of give you a runway. Like, take us through where they get it and how people get it. We're going to put these links in the description of the show as well. But it's so important 
that people know and understand the breadth and depth of the work you're doing. Yeah. So first things first, I am the site manager at Swish Appeal, which is on SB Nation. So I'm writing a lot about women's basketball, both at swishappeal.com and things that appear on SBNation.com. And we've got a great staff around the nation who's plugged into markets in Atlanta and Chicago, New York, Washington, just all over the place who are delivering you local content from those teams in particular. Uh, so mm-hmm. first and foremost, our website's great. Very happy to be a part of that and you know, working with all of the lovely people who are covering the WNBA around the country for us. Uh, we have a podcast on Switch Appeal called The Triple Threat, which is hosted by uh, lovely people at the Bonnet Gang, uh, Tricity, Shawnee, Juanita. They mm-hmm. have put out an awesome podcast once a week about women's basketball and really pop culture and all sorts of sporting things. Uh, they are Triple Threat. You know, they have multiple skills. Yes. So uh, they have been you know, propping up our audio feed uh, pretty much since I got to Switch Appeal, and it was about time to give them a little bit of support. So this week, uh, I debuted our new show called Whip Around, which is more of a easily digestible piece of content about the world of women's basketball. Um, it's about half an hour long each week. I'm going to bring in a guest, you know, just something that is interesting me about what's going on in WNBA or college when we get to that season or even international ball, if it happens to be that time of year, just anything women's basketball related that is, you know, making me think. Uh, This week it was the Dallas Wings, who are just constantly in my mind. I can't get enough of them. I can't figure them out. But yeah, that's the idea behind the whip around, and I was very happy to have Mark Schindler of WMB.com joining me this week to talk about the Wings. So it was a subject of conversation in our Slack at the next because we are constantly saying effectively, what are the Dallas Wings, which is right. the title <laughs> of that show. Uh, we watched Dallas last night on the playback uh, altogether. And, you know, the level of lack of understanding I have for a team to go and spend that much of its uh, assets on Tierra McCowan and then largely plant her on the bench. Um, the team that is supposedly trying to play with the fastest pace in the lead was 10th coming into last night. I didn't really understand how they would get there. Um, who didn't have Arike Ogumbawale play for, I think, more than half of the third quarter and well into like half of the fourth quarter last night. And then in the final minute, after going back to an Arike-centered thing, they bring in McCowan for the last minute just and, and feed the ball to her. Which makes a lot of sense, but like, is that your identity? Like, you're shifting identities in real time over and over and over again. I, I can't understand. And we didn't even talk about like Charlie DNPCD Collier, who was last year's <laughs> number one overall pick. And if you're trying to develop and see what she is, it, I, I'm, my mind is blown. I, I listen, we got Ari Graham's wrote a great piece I'm, I'm editing and we'll put it out this afternoon about. Uh, Jeremy McCowan specific to the wins, but like, what are the Dallas wins? I, I, I urge everyone to listen to this because I'm at a loss. You and me both friend. Uh, I didn't get to watch all of the wings room game because I was at Sparks Mystics last night and I had a lot of things going on ahead of the game, but uh, I did tune in for the fourth quarter and I was, I was surprised when McCowan came in as I always am when McCowan comes in and they just look like an entirely different team when she plays as yeah. one would expect when you're starting center, Isabel Harrison is like, eight inches shorter and doing very different things. Yes. Um, but hey, uh, they are a test case in like, maybe all of this talent isn't a good thing. <laughs> like very much the too many cooks situation happening in Dallas. But. I agree. It's, 
it's confusing. But also, it just it does seem like there's a disconnect between how Vicky wants to play and the way Raiders design the team. Mm-hmm. And so there's that too. I don't mind a change of pace. I don't mind trying different things and having different lineups and identities. You know, I love the four big lineup that Connecticut has at times. You know, it's a fine experiment. I'm all in for it. But what's the end game? That's the thing. You know, I, I don't, you know, you're as confused as I am, I know. But it's very <laughs> interesting to examine. Um, but speaking of the Connecticut bigs, uh, that's where our, um, what I assume will be an angry uh, back and forth disagreement over our all-star ballots comes in. Um, we're close. We're real close on a lot of things. Um, so let's just kind of go through if we can. Um, I had, and this is mildly controversial. I had Brianna Stewart on my ballot. That's uh, that sound right by you. Yeah. There were four players on my front court who I decided not to give any explanation to, because I thought it was okay just to leave the masses. Who are your four? Who are your four without explanation? Stewie, Asia Wilson, John Quill Jones, and Alyssa Thomas. So three of them are on my ballot. Three of mm. them. The one who is not is Alyssa Thomas. And it was okay. really challenging. It was really challenging. My So my six in total are Stewie, Bree Jones, John Quill Jones, Asia Wilson, Emma Mieseman, and Neka Agwumake. Okay. So we have five out of six. Right. And so you went AT and I read your explanation. It makes perfect sense. You talked about ultimately that Bree Jones, by virtue of being uh, a bench player, mm-hmm. um, even though she's leading the lead in win shares, um, true. was doing it a lot against second, uh, um, second unit players, which I think is really interesting. I just sort of my flip side is she's doing it coming off the bench. She's doing it. Uh, there's a degree of difficulty to that uh, that I think uh, is praiseworthy as well. Uh, was it close for you between AT and Bree Jones? So I never considered leaving AT off. Um, okay. That was not something that I had, you know, thought about. Uh, the last spot on my ballot was Miesman. So mm-hmm. if Bree Jones were going to make the team, it would have come at the expense of Emma. Um, and I did think about it for a long time. There were about four players who I heavily considered for that final spot. Bree Jones, Miesman, Candace Parker, and Dierka Hamby. Yeah, Hamby for but, me. Yeah, <laughs> Hamby was a, was a real tough omission. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, but yeah, I, I watch a lot of Connecticut, and while I do appreciate the fact that Bree Jones is supremely productive off the bench, which is like a runaway favorite for six women of the year, I don't even okay. really think it's open and shut discussion there. Mm-hmm. I've just watched so much of her, like getting a lot of points on a walk career, you know, having a nice game against Olivia Nelson and Dota. And I, I appreciate those players quite a bit, but there's a different level of difficulty, you know, picking up the stats there versus against starting centers. So it was splitting hairs. Um, I do. I mean, you watch Connecticut and like when they need a lift, they bring Bree Jones off the bench. Like she delivers for them in those game changing moments. Um, the fact that she does close games obviously makes her a far more compelling candidate than bench players who are not in the closing five. But I just thought that Alyssa Thomas is doing more for Connecticut, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, just the variety of roles that she is asked to fill. Uh, So that's that's why I just had to leave one son off my roster. It it is it is a challenge. You know, I do at times think about who has been recognized, who hasn't been recognized in prior years. And I also think and, you know, ultimately we're not given specific instructions, you must only consider 2022 or anything like that. And so I do go back to the fact that 
Bree Jones not only is doing this this year, but Bree Jones is going back to playing off the bench after being a starter, after effectively substituting for Alyssa Thomas for a large portion of a season, and the year before that, effectively providing for what John Quill Jones provides this team as well. And so all of that taken together, uh, I, I just felt to give Bree Jones that opportunity to shine, especially when she is so dominant here in 2022. That was where I put it. I, I understand that too. I Emma for me was a no brainer just because her defense has been so good this year mm-hmm. on top of what she's already been offensively. Uh, Emma Meesman and Jen Hatfield had this in a recent story is the all time leader in win shares in Washington Mystics history, which I thought was fascinating, given how much time she'd missed. You wouldn't necessarily think that, um, but she is the best she's ever been this year. Yeah, she's been wonderful. Um, it, it's great. She just I, plays I, with a lot of really good players. <laughs> that it, It's sometimes hard to parse out her importance. I hope everyone we talked to or talked about ends up on on the roster, you know, Agreed. even if they're not starting. Um, so, you know, that is certainly the hope. And then you go to the guards where we diverged uh, significantly, which is fascinating. Although everyone on yours was in my finalist list. And this was the one that, I, you know, we would do 11.59 on Sunday night. And I'm sitting mm-hmm. there at 10.45, you know. I waited all, for all the games to finish you know, on Sunday. Just get all of the data possible. <laughs> and then I'm, so you and I handled it the same way. And then I'm just. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. My biggest one was Ariel Atkins is on my ballot. Alicia mm-hmm. Gray is on your ballot. That was the one where I'm back and forth. And then even as I'm watching last night, that Dallas game and watching Gray take over, I'm just like, oh, God, did I do this right? But how did you end up going Gray over Atkins? Yeah, so if I had submitted my ballot three hours earlier on Sunday, it would have been Ariel Atkins instead of Alicia Gray. Like I was just that close on the decision yeah. as well. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I'm not even sure I can point to one thing. Maybe it's like a little West Coast bias that put Alicia Gray on my ballot instead of Atkins. Uh, I just thought her, I mean, truthfully, I thought Alicia Gray should have been an all-star last year. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not certain that this year is a giant step up for her. Uh, yeah. the, statistically, a lot of the numbers look similar. Um, she was on that three-on-three team last year. Just truly an outstanding season in 2021 all the way around. To me, I once again, the Dallas Wings just consuming more and more of my time. Um, they, <laughs> they make the most sense to me when Alicia Gray is playing well. Yeah, like She just, I don't know, is like the glue that holds things together, right? Like whether that's defensively, you know, she moves up to four sometimes. She, she's the only three on the roster. But like she is so rock solid defensively, which I understand is not like – anything that she has an advantage of Errol Atkins because Errol Atkins, obviously tremendous defender. Um, I just think like the efficiency scoring was like the the one thing that kind of tilted me over Errol Atkins. And it's like picking nits because they're so similar statistically. uh, And I, maybe it was just, I think Errol Atkins has like slightly better teammates. So maybe Alicia Gray has to do more, but uh, if I had put Errol Atkins, I would have been, just as happy. I mean, maybe it was a consequence of watching her on Sunday and just mm-hmm. her having an outstanding performance. And she's been like on a tear recently. No doubt. Uh, so yeah, I, I wish I had a stronger argument for why it was Alicia Gray over Errol Atkins, but I think part of it was just, I, maybe this is like the Bree Jones discussion, right? I, I think <laughs> this is somewhere that she should have been and it 
seems silly not to reward her for yet another outstanding season. So interesting. That was in part why Atkins was my selection. Atkins being part of this team that she helped lift to a championship. This, and she has essentially been Ariel Atkins ever since she mm-hmm. did that. Did that as a rookie, which is just crazy how effective she was right away. But that was, you know, it, it, it bothered me at some level that Atkins has not been honored with an all-star berth yet either. And so giving her the opportunity to do that uh, and taking into account what she'd done and the way in which she stayed that way, even while EDD has been in and out of lineups, uh, I mm-hmm. thought was really significant. But yeah, like you, I if if it had been Gray instead of Atkins on my ballot, uh, I, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. Um, now, I do find it very interesting. Um, you did not have Jackie Young on there. You did yeah. have Kelsey Plum. No, I had both of them. I have mm-hmm. both Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum. I think they both belong there. I think they're both in that conversation for, quite frankly, all WNBA first team. Uh, they have an opportunity to do it. You know, again, we're talking, this is a very big and big win heavy league. So, you know, that plays a part and the league continues to make us vote by position rather than going truly positionless, uh, which I wish they would uh, stop doing that. But it's Jackie on the guard anyway. I mean, like the. Right, right. But, <laughs> but is she not? But, you, you know, she certainly, I had her on there. Um, you know, it was very close. And then my fourth, by the way, was Kelsey Mitchell. And um, so tell, tell me, you know, so you're four guards, just we have the sort of frame of discussion. Yeah. So you had Atkins, Kelsey Mitchell, Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young, correct? Correct. Okay. So I had Alicia Gray, Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray and Skylar right. Diggins-Smith. Right. And I think the most controversial of those picks is Chelsea Gray, which mm-hmm. is fascinating to me because uh, we're looking at who's probably the, the next point guard of the USA Olympic team. Certainly <laughs> uh, ought to be. You know, um, maybe, maybe the finest point guard in the WNBA right now. I, I don't know about that. But I watch the Aces, and obviously the things that Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum do just pop off the screen, right? Their, their numbers wow you, like the things that they're doing in transition, athletically. I mean, I think both of them have had really good defensive seasons as well. Mm-hmm. I, I found it hard to separate the two of them because I knew that Chelsea Gray was going to be on my team. Because right. when I watch the Aces, Asia Wilson is who they game plan around. But Chelsea Gray is the decision maker. She is the brains of the operation. Uh, she's the one making the high-level reads so that Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum can be the finishers. You know, And I, I look at Kelsey Plum getting like six assists a game. And that, that's great. And it's basically the same number that Chelsea's getting. The ones that she's getting to me are not as impressive as the, the plays that Chelsea Gray is creating. Like She is the one who has the ball in her hands in those clutch situations. Uh, and I mean... Plum and Jackie Young will be the first to tell you, like, Chelsea is the brain. We work off of her. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, wasn't so much a statistical argument to pick Ray, but just watching the Aces play, uh, they don't work without Chelsea Gray. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, she's had to install an entirely new offense. And she's exactly breaking stride. Yeah. I, yeah it's, they don't turn the ball over that much. Like, it's despite the fact that they run a lot and, you know, are in, installing this new Becky Hammond system. So, You've I made me rule the day I didn't include Chelsea. <laughs> about. I thought it was really interesting that so many yeah. of the the places I've gone have, you know, had Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum as the no-brainer guards from mm-hmm. Vegas and not Chelsea Gray. When to me it was, I'm going to have Chelsea. It's which of the other two am I going to include? So I, I think I was a little away, away from the grain there. But 
I, I feel very good about that decision. I, I know like statistically it doesn't quite bear out, but I mean, I'm watching Las Vegas play and mm-hmm. I know what I see. It's, it's Chelsea Gray who is making things happen. I do. And, and this is just sort of a writ large conversation with women's basketball Twitter. We have disagreements. We have different uh, interpretations. We're looking at the numbers. We're trying everything we can. No one's terrible if they disagree with you for your no. right? Like maybe it's okay to have a disagreement and maybe people aren't operating in bad faith. It's just something I hope everyone keeps in mind as it relates to like voting, as it relates to end of year voting, just keep it in mind. I, 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 I think it's important for our space, uh, but it's interesting because your reasoning for picking Chelsea Gray is the reason I picked Kelsey Mitchell. Kelsey mm-hmm. Mitchell is the, engine of that Indiana Fever team. I think they are dramatically improved. I know the record isn't as amazing, obviously, as Las Vegas, but as amazing as you would necessarily think, but they're considerably better. And Kelsey Mitchell is just more dominant across the board. Kelsey Mitchell is also, in a way, she hasn't been in past years, a loud voice in that room, taking on more of the leadership and mentoring five rookies all at the same time, which is a thing you don't necessarily see in the box score, but you see and you hear when you talk to the Indiana Fever rookies. And so to me, Kelsey Mitchell, and again, that also goes back to sort of our larger argument. She's been an all-star level performer in this Mm -hmm. league a while she's yet to make an all-star team that kind of boggles my mind as somebody you know who thinks of her uh, as a future all-star clearly dating back to her ohio state days when i first covered her but the other part of this is and this is an added element of the way i think about it i don't know if you do i'm curious is um it's also a show it's also a a showpiece for the wnba and seeing kelsey mitchell play is something more people need to do. I, I, I did not ultimately have her in my uh, final few choices, but Han Shu was someone <laughs> on my radar. I know that sounds and, and like no, I, I agree. This is why we have a fan vote because I, I want to see the people that play, like fans want to see play. Yeah, but but Han Shu does it differently than anybody else ever has in the history of the league, and it's six for ten, and and she's really developed. And she's not there yet. She actually, and and I keep talking about this on Twitter, her season is very similar to Emma Miesemann's 2015 season in a host of different ways. Emma made the All-Star team that year for a bunch of different reasons. There were a bunch of people who normally would have made the 2015 All-Star team who didn't. Uh, And so it's not one-to-one, but was Han Shu on my list? You know, yes, because Han Shu is someone people ought to see. People ought to see her more. Kelsey Mitchell has the numbers to back it up too. People ought to see Kelsey Mitchell more. So Kelsey Mitchell was on my list too. Although I also think just again, numerically, you know, the numbers are there too. Yeah. I I love watching Kelsey Mitchell. Her movement is just unlike any other player in the league right now. She is just constantly all over the court. Um, Brittany Sykes has regularly mentioned how difficult it is to guard Kelsey Mitchell. And Brittany Sykes is not, you know, take a lot of defensive challenges like personally right but Kelsey Mitchell is someone who gives her you know quite a bit of difficulty uh I thought about Mitchell a lot uh she was definitely on the list Uh, I just I went with Skylar because uh one I think defensively she has the edge over Kelsey Mitchell but uh, everything you said about Kelsey like you know the the amount of creation scoring that she has to do like 
all of that applies to Skyler. I mean, leadership wise, I, I do believe that Skyler is taking a, a bigger role in that Phoenix team. Obviously the wins are not showing like it's been a really rough year in Phoenix and it's hard for me to judge wins and losses there just because of the overarching circumstances regarding no Reiner. So it's, I, I probably did not take that into consideration with Phoenix as much as I did with other teams. Um, mm-hmm. But to me, Skyler, like again, upward trajectory, like she's just been so rock solid since getting over to Phoenix and aesthetically too. Like, I don't think there's a guard. I like watching in transition as much as Skylar Dean Smith. She just manages to finish in so many different ways at the basket. Kelsey Mitchell is a perfectly fine pick. Uh, again, here's that West Coast bias showing through. I had four West Coast guards on my on my backcourt. Thank goodness there are no conference affiliations in All-Star starters. I, I yeah. have so much respect for Indianapolis and their decision. I mean, they are pretty far west, but they they go with Eastern Standard Time. And I just think it's it's close. Skylar Diggins Smith is obviously elite and, and a showpiece, by the way, you know, to go back to our talk about, you know, even beyond just the numbers that you want to see. And some time in Indiana herself. <laughs> she certainly did. But, you know, Indiana, Indianapolis specifically sticking with the Eastern Time Zone. You know, I think if it's a tiebreaker, I think that's where you have to go. So, again, uh, we didn't get to everything. <laughs> beyond time because that's always how it is when we chat but please everybody everybody if you're not watching this if you're listening sabrina s-a-b-r-e-e-n-a-j-m on twitter follow my friend sabrina merchant follow all the incredible work she is doing and make sure you are reading it listening to it watching it every single day uh sabrina thank you for coming you have to come back and 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 plug more stuff so we can argue uh, about time zones once again yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. Uh, I want to thank everybody for making us your first listen this week. Uh, Locked on Women's Basketball will be back, of course, next week. We are every weekday, and we are delighted to have you with us. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Uh, until next time, Howard Magdal wishing you a wonderful Friday. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.